They named their children Sasquatch and Plagiarism. Yeah. I mean, that's not what we heard, Red. We heard Esau and Jacob. But if you were to hear this in the original Hebrew, it's much more earthy than that. Um, it would have sounded more like Red and Harry and Little Trickster. That's what they named their children. Red and Harry was one of them, and Little Trickster was the other. I think we would have heard this to our ears something like Ugly One and the Crooked One. You know, it would have been a, a kind of names that we didn't really um, think were all that endearing. But as bad as these were, they weren't the worst names in the Bible. Remember the prophet Hosea? You read the book of the prophet Hosea? Hosea is told by God to marry this woman who was a prostitute and that she would quit her job as a prostitute and be his wife and be faithful to him. And so he marries this woman and she calms down a bit, at least for a while, and, um, and they have a child. They name this child Jezreel. Not such a bad name. It kind of recalls a violent past in Israel's history, but it wasn't really that bad of a name, kind of a memorial name of sorts. But then they have a second child. Hosea takes one look at their second child, and he names this child Pathetic. I don't know how you would like to grow up with the name Pathetic on you, but um, that's what he named her, Lo-Ruhama, No Compassion. You sad, pitiful child. But it got worse. They had a third child. Hosea took one look at this child and called it illegitimate. Seems like Mrs. Hosea has some explaining to do, if you know what I mean. So he had these names. There's another story in the Bible where um, this woman has, has her husband and her father-in-law die the same day. Her husband's name's Phineas. Her father-in-law's name Eli. They both die on the same day, and she goes into premature labor because of this. And um, she has a baby, baby boy. She names this baby boy, well, something like Inglorious. Um, his name is actually Ichabod, but it means the glory has departed. Sad times are upon us. Sometimes people get stuck with awful names, don't they? I mean, names that they would have never chosen for themselves. We don't get to choose our names. My mother named me Joseph Lynn, L-I-N. I think because she wanted to torment me. Um, she didn't know what it was like to be in the fourth grade with the middle name Lynn. And Jim, maybe she did. Maybe it was like the Johnny Cash song, you know, the, the boy named Sue, you know, he grows up and makes him tougher. Um, but it could have actually been worse than that. When I was born, I, I've seen pictures, I had this big red birthmark that kind of went from the top of my, I mean, have you noticed how big his forehead is anyway? I mean, it went from the top of my forehead down to my nose, and it looked like a map of Mozambique. Okay, it was big, giant, red... I mean, she could have named me Congo Boy or something like that if it had been biblical times. We don't get to pick our names. They kind of are chosen for us. Chosen by people who never have to live with the repercussions of their choices. They just kind of give them to someone else. And so I suppose it's best that we kind of get along with it and make peace with our names. Unless your name is Red Harry Boy or Con Artist, like, uh, like um, Isaac and Rebecca named their children, maybe then it wouldn't be so easy. The problem with names, though, is that sometimes people sort of live into them, right? You, they give them a nickname or something like that. Isaac and Rebecca named their first son Red Harry Boy, and, um, and he sort of lived into it because in his day, it was actually a very, a very desirable thing for men to be really hairy. I mean, he, uh, this, this child Esau, he, he wasn't your typical uh, metro guy. He was, sort of, um, he was sort of this man's man, this sort of uh, he-man. You know, he's got hair all over his body and he's a tough guy. He's out hunting and gathering. 
Um, yesterday, uh, my wife and I were down in Aurora. Benjamin was playing baseball, and so we, we ran to get a soda during a break. And, and uh, she went in first, and then I kind of came in. And, and so she went to the soda fountain and poured herself a drink. And, and then I went up there later and got And then we met up at the cash register. And she had this cup that was like a normal human-sized cup, you know, that people normally drink out of. But not me. I had this big, big giant, big gulp cup, you know, that you had to use a, a, a kind of a forklift to get it to the, to the cash register. And she says to me, Joe, why on earth would you have such a large cup? And I said to her, because I'm a man, that's why. You know, because I'm a man. That's what Esau would have said. I have a large cup because I'm a man. That's what men do. He was a man's man. He was tough. And his dad loved him for this. Esau's out hunting and gathering. He's bringing in a deer or a wild goat that he's chased down and, and, and killed. And, and he, he's just like this. He's this tough guy. And Jacob is the polar opposite. Jacob would have done well in Manhattan, you know? I mean, I, I sort of picture Jacob at home, you know, he's got his long hair pulled back in a ponytail and his beard all, you know, uh, like braided down, you know? He's, he's got an apron on. He's, uh, he's Mr. Uh, Swat and sophisticated, or at least as much as you can be in that day. Probably watch shows like Iron Chef. I don't know, you know, maybe he's watching, uh, you know, I don't know, The Real Housewives or something. I don't, but, you know, but he's at home, you know, not like Esau at all. His name doesn't mean, though, sissy boy. That's not what his name means. Jacob, Yaakov in Hebrew, means one who grabs hold of the heel. And the reason for this is because when he was born, he had his arm outstretched, grabbing hold of his older brother, his twin brother's heel. As, as his twin brother was delivered, here's Jacob's arm sticking out, grabbing hold of his brother by the heel. But in his world, heel grabber was not a nice name. Heel grabber meant that you were some kind of trickster or cheat. You were a swindler. You were not. You were like a snake oil salesman. You were not someone to be trusted. And, and so, to name Jacob this snake oil salesman trickster, well, it was kind of a tough moniker for him to live up to. We don't get to pick our names, but there is something about the content of our character that we do get to choose and decide. Just because you're named something doesn't mean, for Jacob, just because he's named con man doesn't mean he has to live up to one. But he does, doesn't he? You heard the story. One day they're at home. He's there cooking this lentil stew. You know, he's got this new chili recipe maybe for lentil and uh, beans or whatever. And so he's, he's cooking up his stew with his ponytail and his braided beard and his um, tartan apron or whatever. I've got this really cool tartan apron. And so he's at home, you know, wearing this. And, and in comes his brother. In, in comes Esau, who's had a bad day out hunting. And he's famished. He's starving. And you know how when you go in and somebody's cooking something and you're really hungry and the whole house, you know, or the whole restaurant smells like, oh, it just like turns your stomach in knots and you're thinking, Joe, this is too close to lunch for you to be talking about this right now. But you're like that, you know, you're really, really hungry. And, and this is what Esau walks into. Jacob fixing up this pot of stew. He's got bread baking in the oven. And in comes Esau starving, famished. And he says what you would say if your brother was cooking something. Hey, give me some of that. And Jacob, always working the long game, says, okay, what will you sell me? I don't know. What do you want? How about your birthright? Oh, whatever. Yeah, that's fine. You know, you can have my birthright. Just pause for just a moment on this little narrative. A birthright was pretty important. 
It was real important. A birthright meant that you got twice as much inheritance as anyone else from the, from the family. If the father, father was to pass away, you got twice as much as even the next closest uh, you know, recipient of the inheritance. It meant that you were going to be the new father of the family. You were the new Don Corleone. You know, you were at the top of the heap. <laughs> Phil's watching that. Hey, you, you know what is You're in charge. And Esau says, you know, what good's a birthright to me? I'm starving to death. I'm about to die. And you think to yourself, that sounds like hyperbole, right? We've all said that, haven't we? I'm starving to death. Would somebody please get me something to eat? Can you do, I'm starving to death. But when you were starving to death, you didn't trade your house for a steak, did you? You know, you didn't sell your car for an omelet. No, give away a cow for five magic beans. You know, no, you wouldn't do that. Because it's stupid. We make, we make fairy tales out of these kind of foolish decisions. But not Esau. This birthright, this thing that his father probably took him on walks to tell him about, he sells it for a bowl of soup. And anybody who read this text looks down and says, Esau, you moron, what were you thinking? How can you be so foolish? Only it's about more than stupidity. Esau didn't just do this action because he was dumb. Although he might have been. He did this. Thank you. He did this because he had a value system that was corrupt. He had a character that was flawed every bit as much as his brother. Notice how the story ends. It kind of gets by. I I think the author wrote this last little line with a whisper. He says it this way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Why, Esau, did you do it? It wasn't stupidity. It was apathy. He sold his birthright because he simply doesn't care. We pick up in this story. We get these, little, these guys at newborns, and in a blink of an eye, they're adults. And they make a decision that will affect not only them, the rest of human history. Over a meal. Over a bowl of soup. Jacob, he's flawed. Trickster, con artist, working the long game, matchstick man, whatever you want to call him. He's a bad dude. But his brother's worse. You know why? Because his brother just doesn't care. Esau will trick him out of his blessing. Or, excuse me, Jacob will trick Esau out of his blessing, but Esau will give it up without a fight. And listen to me. If you read the text, know this. God chooses the trickster over the lazy, apathetic one. I think the Lord is saying, I'd rather have someone who at least will fight for this rather than someone who will give it up without a fight. Esau chose expediency over righteousness. His God was his appetite, his belly. Right now, whatever I can have at this very moment, that's what's most important to me. And you know what? That's the world we live in, isn't it? We don't like cheaters in our world. I mean, we have them. They're always con men. They're always the bad guys that are out there trying to take advantage of people. But we don't really like those people. We don't, we don't make heroes out of them. We do champion a, a, an instant gratification, an immediacy of satisfaction. That's what's in, what is most, um, most valued in our world. Listen, we, we eat too much. We drink too much. Our world sleeps around too much. They sleep too much. They work too little. 
We will buy things we cannot afford. And we'll do it on a national scale. $14 trillion debt in the United States of America. For, do you know how much $14 trillion is? I mean, it's hard to even get your mind around. But look, if you did this, if you took a $1 bill and taped it to another $1 bill, and taped it to another $1 bill, and you taped it so long that it reached up to the moon and back again, you could do that 200 more times before you got to $14 trillion. We have taught the world. It's not just the United States, is it? The whole Western world thinks that you can do this. It doesn't matter what. you Just spend it. It'll be no problem. And listen, this isn't, a, this isn't a political ploy. I'm not taking a side of a party. Whatever party you support, they've done the same thing, right? They both are in this. Everybody. Everybody. Why? Because we have to have what happens now. We want instant gratification in our world. We will not wait even one moment. This isn't about what's happening in Washington. It's about what happens in Peoria and Hudson and every other place in the country, right? And in the world. We live in a culture that is overwhelmed by instant gratification. And the question for us is, how do we live in that world without being overwhelmed by it, without buying into its value system? If you were, um, if you were in a car and you're driving through Pickaway County, um, you might run across this street sign that would make you slam on your brakes. You know the, the name of the road up above? I mean, if you saw this road and you're driving down Route 57 and you saw this, you would squeal to a stop because you would say to yourself, did that road really say what I thought it said? Throw it in reverse, back up. It does. You're going down Route 57, you might see Hitler Road number one. <laughs> Hitler, I'm really, it's what it's called, Hitler Road number one, because it's distinguished from, you guessed it, Hitler Road number two. All right? There's even a Huber Hitler Road in uh, Pickaway County. There's a Hitler Cemetery you could go and visit. And you would think to yourself, this is the strangest place I've ever seen. No, it doesn't say Bitler. It definitely says Hitler. That's what it says. Neighborhood lore has it that a Jewish family one time was going to move into onto Hitler Road number one, but they just couldn't bear the whole idea of having mail come in every day that said Hitler Road number one. It wasn't named after Adolf. It was named after the Hitler family, who was a farming family in the, in the 17th and 18th century, who settled in Pickaway County. Every day you drive by that road, you'd see it. Hitler Road number one. You know, people name their dogs Nero and Titus. Nobody names their dog Adolf, do they? They don't even name your dog Adolf. He has so completely ruined the names Adolf and Hitler that anybody who has either one of those names for the rest of eternity, I think, will probably be strapped by that awful name. Do you know what's more important, though, than a good name? A good character. A person who will choose God over expediency. Who will choose the Lord over whatever's easy and instant. See, I think if you're that kind of person, that's the kind of person that God's looking for. That's the kind of person he brings into the family of Abraham, into his family, now and forever. Amen.